Welcome to another session of WeConnect, where we explore the ideas, companies, and key players that continue to raise the bar in e-discovery. This is Ari Kaplan, and I am speaking today with Ian Campbell, the president and CEO of iConnect, a developer of e-discovery software. Hi, Ian. How are you? It's great to be back and back chatting again. Uh, we haven't seen each other for a few ILTAs and a few legal techs, so it's uh, great to be back on video. Oh, it's a privilege, but we always have a great conversation, and I'm looking forward to this. Tell us Good. about your background and the genesis of iConnect. Today, I was on LinkedIn. I'll talk about that announcement we did in a few minutes, but I was on LinkedIn, and it was interesting. It said that iConnect has been on LinkedIn for 20 years and 11 months. So not only does that mean that who knew, but LinkedIn's been around for 20 years and 11 months, but we've been around for 20 years and 11 months. So it, it, we've stood the test of time. And it's interesting, although people's perspective of that sometimes, oh, well, iConnect is a 20-year-old company and they've been doing this for 20 years. So therefore, they must have old technology. Anybody who's anybody realizes that you're refreshing your hardware, you're refreshing your software every three to five years. We're no different. And what we've, it's actually the opposite of being tired. What we are instead is We've got a rock solid piece of code and 20 years of experience in this industry. And that makes a big deal. Certainly when people are out there looking for what softwares should I be looking at in the space? And uh, you know, I'm very proud to say we've made money since day one. We've been a, a profitable company. We've done everything under our own steam. We haven't taken on large VC funding. And it gives us a perspective on the industry where we know what has to be done. We stay focused. We stay on target. And, and we go from there. And I originally started out as a concordance trainer. I think some of your the audience may know that. I trained concordance for three or four years. And then from there, we ended up developing a web front end for concordance. That was kind of the start of iConnect back in 99 and 2000. And that morphed into Oracle in 2003 and SQL in 2008. And actually, we've got our, our Elastic version, uh, version 11 coming out in the new year. So again, we're always looking for what's next. And it's an exciting time to be in this space. I've been tracking trends for seven years through the eDiscovery Unfiltered Report. How have you seen the eDiscovery sector change over the past two decades? Originally, when I started anyway, it was boxes. If you and I were suing each other, you had a box of paper and I had a box of paper. And then that sort of started into, I've got a box of hard drives and backup tapes, and you've got a box of hard drives and backup tapes. And then email came into it, and the volumes just went. They just skyrocketed. And that was one of the reasons that we've done so much development on the back end of the platform to make sure that we can manage the volume, index the volume, have really quick response to searches of volume data. But that, again, that morphed a little bit as well. And, and what we found was that the decision makers changed. It used to be everyone in IT drove what was going to be purchased in e-discovery. As lawyers came out of school, they realized it was good tech. They were familiar with tech. They were comfortable with tech. They became the leaders within organizations, be they law firms or vendors. And their perspective was, I need it to be usable. I need to have a piece of technology. Of course, it has to work. But I want to be the decision maker because we have a use case here and I want to make sure it's usable software. So the user interface, probably around 2011, 2012, really became key. That's morphed again in the last number of years. People's level of expectation, uh, and I think most of it we can blame on smartphones. People download an app and they start using it. And that's the level of expectation for their e-discovery platform. They should be able to jump in on day one and make it so intuitive that they can just start clicking buttons and doing work. And that's something that drives us 
really strongly. My background is in industrial design and UI design, and, and we're always looking for ways to make it the least number of clicks. But there is another area there we call transactional friction. You have to have enough of a buffer to make sure that you put guardrails around usability. There's nothing worse than giving someone a delete button with no second choice. And that's why things like if you want to delete a record, you get a, hey, are you sure you want to delete this record? Why don't you hold down your shift key and hit the delete record button at the same time? Because that's transactional friction. It makes me think about it. And that's what we're, we're very in tune with is can we take the advanced functions that only 20% of our users are going to use? And can we suppress those into an advanced button? such that the UI we're giving is intuitive for most of the users who are doing the most of the work. And the advanced stuff is over here. It's super intuitive and people can just jump in and work. Nobody wants to take a week-long training session anymore. We're well aware of that. There's things you need to know, but a lot of the applications start to feel like each other. And we get that all the time about, well, we're using such and such. We don't want to learn something new. That's sort of like saying, I have a Lexus and I'm going to go buy a, an Infinity, but I don't know how to drive it. Well, that's not true. I mean, the gearing wheel's in the same spot, the accelerator's in the same spot, the brake's in the same spot, you turn the lights on the same way, the doors open the same way. And I think e-discovery tools are kind of like that. You really can go from one to another and the movement and the migration to a new, more modern tool, which is more in sync with your business model is not as big a barrier as some people think it is. And I think when people see POCs with us or you know, they're sort of testing the software, they see that very, very quickly. They realize that like a smartphone, they can download the app and jump right in. And, and that's a key thing for us moving forward. Although I do want to call out one thing on your car example. I rented a car years ago after a conference in Australia. And every time I wanted to make a left or right turn, I kept flicking on the, the windshield wiper. So, so touche, touche. What should leaders consider when adapting to market shifts? We all run into a, I'm not going to call it a rut, but, but we run into a situation where we have operational meetings. Here at our company, we've got a support meeting, we've got a build meeting, we've got our, our product meeting. And then you always have to innovate. And there's an aspect of our product committee meeting, which is set aside for new ideas, things we haven't done yet, things people aren't even asking for. Uh, you have to have ideas. And although it's easy to get stuck in operations, I think everybody needs to make an effort to brainstorm and, and look over the horizon to figure out what's next. And then you end up with a whole bunch of ideas. And then that's a bigger problem because now you've got so many ideas, which direction do you go? And then you have to focus. Right now, we've got probably 15 ideas of different things we could do with the iConnect platform, different directions we could go. And we're laser focused. Obviously, e-discovery review has been our, our number one focus for a long time. But there's other things that are just kind of tangential to, to what we're doing. Over the course of the next number of months, people are going to see that we're focusing in not only on e-discovery, but things that relate to e-discovery, that leverage our technology and start dealing with new business problems. Some problems that people are just identifying now, and we've got some cool tech to help them deal with those. There's been a lot of discussion of the use of artificial intelligence. It yeah. came up a number of times in my e-discovery unfiltered research. Where are litigants finding the most success with AI? You and I talked about this before, and I was thinking of the right answer. And I, and I thought about it this morning, and I wrote it down. Anywhere that it's invisible, I think, is where it's useful. No one wants to learn a new tool. No one wants to export it from part A of the tool into part B of the tool, do the work, then have to move everything back to part A of the tool. It has to be invisible. When you go on Spotify, 
and it, it actually compiles a, a playlist for you every day. It's a daily Ian playlist that shows up on my Spotify. How does it do it? I don't really care, but I don't have to do it. And I don't have to go out to a, another app, create my playlist and import it back into Spotify. It happens automatically. And I think that's an area that I think has to be in play. People have, they're getting inundated with, with technology these days. And that's important that anywhere that we can add AI where we can make it invisible to the user, but yet give them huge value. I think that's where everyone's going to benefit. People don't want to learn a new tool. We talked about that earlier. So the whole idea is you click the next button and what do you get? And the next most relevant document, what kind of magic was in the back end? What tool was being used to give you that next document? Don't really care. We have one, one item called Exemplar, and it was used actually heavy on the plaintiff side of the BP oil spill case, the Transocean BP oil spill. And they were inundated. They were overburdened. I think it was about 14 billion pages of information came back on the production. And they were sort of like, we don't even know where to start. And what they did, they created, there's 12 issues in the case. They created 12 synthetic documents. We call them exemplars. They went to the attorneys and said, hey, if there was a smoking gun document, I know that's not a very friendly term these days, but a smoking gun document, what would it say? Don't give me a bunch of keywords. Literally write me what you think the document would say if we wanted to prove our point on issue A, issue B, issue C, issue D. And they did. And then we used exemplar. We actually take that synthetic document, the fake document, the phony document, whatever you want to call it. We throw it at the collection and our software hands you back and go, hey, here's 50 documents I want to look at because they're very, very similar to what you just told us you're looking for. We obviously scrub that synthetic document from the system, but ultimately what it gets to you is, uh, is to roster of documents, a group of documents that you can now laser focus in on that are laser focused on the issue you're looking for. And that was a tremendous help to them. It, it saved them time, effort, money, and, uh, and meant that the information they were looking for within that review was exactly what they wanted to see in that review. And the, uh, all of a sudden, the scale didn't intimidate them. That's a, an example of how we have done it and how we're going to continue to do it. How do you see the use cases for AI developing? started to work with a platform called Sentio about uh, two years ago, and they write some algorithms for some of the large credit card companies, some of the fraud detection uh, software is actually written by this group. And we got our hands on that code and went and built it for discovery. And not only is it now driving our Cal solution for a level of predictive review, but it's also driving a, an area, we productized it and we call it oversight. So in a situation where someone says, I don't want to use any AI, I just want a plain Jane manual review. Let's go find reviewers and review. And we know there's a lot of that out there. In fact, it's still the bulk of the review is still being done in that way. We developed something called Oversight. And what Oversight does is it's looking at every code that you do and it's going, hmm, yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, Yankee season tickets. Yeah, well, that's a highly confidential doc. And I, in error, mark it as a highly confidential doc. Our software puts a little red X on it. And at the end of the day, we send all the red X documents to a supervisor and say, hey, based on all of the review that was done against this issue today, and you can run 20, 30 issues at the same time, but all the review done against this issue today, these five documents don't fit the model of all the other documents that were reviewed in the same way. And we, um, we have confidence bars and different things. And it's a way to sort of bring oversight to a manual review team. And that, again, built right into the platform. The users don't even know it's there. The only thing that happens at the end is the supervisor goes and looks at the review for the day. 
And they can also look at individual reviewers and identify if any, any specific reviewers are struggling with any issues. So you might find someone is struggling with a specific issue, confidentiality issue, whatever. You can say, you know what, I'm going to move those docs over here to a different reviewer because they're not struggling with that issue. Or someone is getting two different issues confused. Very, very quickly, you'll identify that and you can then change your training, move people around make whatever adjustments need to be done in order to get through that review. So the oversight piece is AI, again, it's invisible. It's running in the background, but it's got tremendous value. And I think more and more people are going to start to use that kind of technology to monitor manual review for cases that aren't looking for a CAL solution. That'll continue to advance. iConnect recently purchased the source code to AFI's inspector technology why did you decide to make this purchase? That's actually just recent. We've been working with AFI for about four or five years now, and they've got some great tech. We've been very, very thrilled to work with them. And sometime late last year, they approached us and said, hey, we're looking to divest that business unit. And you're one of our key customers. You obviously have done a lot of advancement um, of our technology and a lot of integration of our technology. Would you be interested in acquiring a gold copy of the software? Which means we basically get a copy of the source code and say, here you go, do whatever you want. That was important to us. We wanted to check that box from a company perspective. We've obviously had Boolean searching and and AI for a long time. We've never owned the tech. It's always been licensed from a third party. And so it was important for us to get direct access to the code. And now when someone says, hey, can I go and look for something? We can go, well, the core platform doesn't do that. But you know what? We're going to tweak it a little bit so that it does. And I think it's going to put us in a better position to meet the needs of the marketplace going forward. It's also a very strong statement that we're continuing to be committed to the market. I talked earlier about the fact that we've been doing this for 20 years. Companies who've been around for 20 years know a lot. They're continually evolving and developing the software. Clearly, people are, are using the software and finding success with the software. And this, I think, is a great commitment to the market to say, hey, we're here. We're here for a long time. We've got some exciting stuff ahead. And we now have that embedded AI, and we can now have direct access to that source code, which I think is going to uh, really, really be exciting moving forward. How does this development specifically benefit iConnect's users? It's going to be continued growth in the code. We're an idea company. We're an innovator. We're an inventor. And we've got a whole roster of different ways that that we're very comfortable moving forward with how we can use the tech, not only in the core discovery platform, but also in some of the other areas, some of those, some of those tangents that were, that were starting to go down with regard to related technology. So I think our users are going to see a, a tremendous benefit. They're going to see quick turnaround and bug fixes and feature requests. And then beyond that, it's going to allow us to take some of the ideas that we've had that have been a little restrictive to move forward with, again, because we don't have the code and, and move forward from there. And I think in tandem, as I said earlier, with the release of our V11, which is going to be our, our, our elastic storage build in 2022, that's where it's going to be very interesting. And we're going to be able to be very agile. We have an agile development group here. We've got a really smart group, a smart team who are, who are down there behind me. That's actually not a fake background. That's actually our real office in behind me here. And moving forward, we're going to be able to accelerate the growth of the platform and accelerate the feature set in the platform like no one has seen before. And I think that's going to be a benefit to us as a technology and ultimately will benefit our clients. How do you see interest in and the value of artificial intelligence for e-discovery evolving? It even goes beyond e-discovery because I think some of the challenges that e-discovery people are finding 
aren't plain Jane lawsuit related anymore. You've got DSAR, where uh, well, you got to go through all this information, find PII and redact PII. Well, that's something that we use the AV code for. We have an add-on module called Cover that allows us to find the PII from 51 countries and with minimal clicks, redact Visa card numbers, phone numbers, email addresses, the product ID numbers, really whatever you need to redact. That goes hand in hand with FOIA requests, which again, hey, here's a bunch of information. And we literally have the ability, you talk about that intuitive interface, upload your PDFs, click a couple of buttons, export your redacted PDFs. It literally can be done that quickly as part of a work stream. I think that's very exciting for us to be able to use the AI again in the background, invisible, but to meet, meet a business need. And that in turn goes to a couple of other areas that we're getting more involved in. Breach detection, for example, the ability to again, find that sensitive PII, report on it quickly, do quick turns, allow people to go in. And because we have a review tool, not only find the documents that contain passport ID numbers, but literally be able to go in and go next, 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 and, and go and look at them. And then normalize that code back and say, hey, Ari, unfortunately, there was a breach and your passport number, comma, email address, comma, phone number may have been compromised. Please protect yourself accordingly. And that, as you know, is a governance requirement in a breach. And being able to do that in an e-discovery tool that, again, has been around for such a long time and has such a strong technology base, there's a huge advantage. That's gone one step further. We're finding more and more companies because of all that data that was scanned in 20 years ago that they never threw away. Data retention is a huge problem. And we're finding two different camps on that. One is the data is unstructured. And I need to know what's in that data so I can figure out whether or not I can get rid of the rot, the redundant, obsolete, and trivial data, whether or not I can just delete it because there's nothing important in there. And again, we've got some ways to use that AI to go through millions and millions of records and give you nothing more than a report. Hey, just so you know, we went through these 5 million records and 1,922 documents contain Visa card numbers. And oh, by the way, if you want to look at them, click here. And now our viewer kicks into high gear and you can review that data. The other part of the data though is forms-based. And what we're finding is a lot of it is forms and a lot of it is a legacy form data, certainly in the healthcare space. And the ability for us to use extraction technology because we've got a really, really strong viewer and we can identify XY coordinates and because we can find PII and we can actually copy and paste out PII, we can actually do form extraction. So we're involved in a couple of really interesting projects in the millions of record where it's a high, I've got all these forms. It's any one of these 25 forms. So our software actually detects the form and then overlays it with XY coordinate extractions and then literally cherry picks out of the form the important information to create metadata as part of a data stream or as part of an injected directly into a review tool because now you're building up a data lake or you're building up an archive of data for research. The use of AI beyond the plain Jane discovery that, that I think we're all aware of, of what people have been doing in, with AI in e-discovery tools for a long time the ability to have document A and find document B and C and D simply because I found document A. Easy stuff to do. We now have the technology to do that. But the ability to have our access to the source code 
now means we can sort of take the gloves off and look at all the other things we can do as well and solve not only the e-discovery problems, but the problems with FOIA, GDPR, DSAR, extraction, legacy form data, and legacy unstructured data. So it's a very exciting time to be in this space. It's a, it's a great time to be iConnect based on the ever-changing landscape and uh, the, AFI, the acquisition of the AFI code and absolutely a next step for us as we continue to grow. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm privileged to be speaking with Ian Campbell, the president and CEO of iConnect, a developer of eDiscovery software. Ian, thanks so very much. Thank you, Ari. We Connect, brought to you by iConnect, making information accessible.